It's time for another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix. And this, unfortunately, is going to be a bit of a season wrap-up, yeah. Tampa 2. Yeah. Really thought that we'd be doing another one with another game recap and preview. We were so close. It was right yeah. there. And it's funny because I, you know, I, this was my ninth season here. And seasons always feel a little different at the end. Right. They're, it's always sad when it comes to an end unless you win the Super Bowl. Yeah, That's right. always just how it works. But, and I know everybody was so sad around the building the next day in terms of, oh, like, we felt like we could have won. But I feel like this was such an encouraging season mm -hmm. overall. I did not walk away from this season feeling the way you normally are. Like, right. oh, anything but a Super Bowl is a failure. Defeated. Yes, that it was like they were right there. But right. I just felt like it was, it was a fun season to be a part mm -hmm. of. There's so much to be excited about. Right. So we're going to definitely talk a little bit about season overview and, and looking ahead a bit. But let's start just with this game mm -hmm. for now. What were some of your big takeaways from it? My big segue from the Lions game is I really think, despite the outcome of the game, it really kind of was a microcosm to me of the season. You know, they continuously rallied from behind. They came back, kept it close, you know, cut the deficit to eight points there in the end after the Lions had scored. Because, I mean, it was tied at 17 going into that third quarter. And then the Lions put up – to, I think it was like a 89-yard and then a 75-yard touchdown drive. But then Baker Mayfield orchestrated that methodical drive at the end to Mike Evans. Um, and I really think just that that threading the needle pass to Chris Godwin that moved the chains, got that touchdown, and then they were within eight. And then, of course, the, the interception at the end that kind of sealed the defeat. But I really just think you saw just the the stamina of this team, but just their willingness to to fight through adversity. You know, rally from behind multiple times, um, didn't lose their heads, didn't get defeated, didn't get demoralized, um, and really stayed in that game. And then defensively, you know, they kind of gave up in spurts. You know, the the Lions were able to kind of exploit the middle of the field with Sam Laporta, with Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, but, I mean, you had – Jamel Dean that had an incredible game before he exited with the back injury, had three passes defensed, crowded the catch space, played out of his mind, and then rookie Kalijah Kansi, my gosh. I mean, whether it was his batted pass that led to the Lions' first three and out on their opening drive or that sack that forced the punt where he just absolutely annihilated the blocker with the cross chop and immediately got past him to take down Jared Goff. So I think you saw a lot of the exciting pieces. And I mean, this team went further than anyone externally expected them to go. But not only did they make it to the divisional round, but they put up a fight against the Lions and they absolutely dominated the Eagles in the wildcard round. I agree. I love the idea of the fight that this team showed in this yeah. game in the season it did feel like this game in some ways was a bit of a microcosm of the season right. overall yeah and a lot of the ways that they grew and I thought it was so great especially watching how so Rashad averaged 6.1 yards per carry you'll love to see it. love to see it especially compared to how the season started with that and you know he had 55 rush yards after only having 26 versus the Lions the last time mm -hmm. and that's even knowing that we were behind a fair amount and so right. again it's not necessarily a game that is conducive to having a ton of rush yards, right. but it was still such an improvement over that first matchup. And he had 8.3 yards per carry in the first quarter. That's his second highest mark through the first quarter of any game in his career. We've talked about this of being able to start fast and establish the run fast right. so that it opens everything up. And I felt like this was one of those indicators of like, this is where this offense had gotten to right. by the end of the year. And hopefully it is a sign of what it can be also to start this next year. Um, and then, of course, you know, he got his first career postseason touchdown, which I loved. And so Baker, I, I loved some of these stats mm -hmm. about him, especially in the postseason. So 
five postseason passing touchdowns at least. Or I guess he ended up with six. Mm-hmm. Um, most second most in franchise history. So both games, um, he had at least three passing touchdowns. Right. So it tied Brady for the most games like that in franchise history. And again, anytime you can say you tied Brady in something, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Uh, and then also he now has the only two 300-yard, three touching down passes in games. Sorry, I said all that wrong. He's the only <laughs> two. I just was like, I just screwed hey, up all the words. a lot of mumbo jumbo. A lot of that. numbers. He yeah. has the only two 300-yard, three touchdown passing games yes. in Bucks playoff yes. history. Fourth highest postseason passer rating among active players in the postseason. That last stat really got me. Because, again, yeah. that's not even just his time here with the Bucks. That's his whole career among and all these guys of active NFL quarterbacks. There's a lot of really talented NFL quarterbacks. Right. For him to have – the fourth highest postseason passer rating among active players mm-hmm. is incredible. And I just felt like we saw Baker – there was so much doubt going right. into the season. People yeah. people did not say that this signing was this guaranteed great thing. And to see him rise to the occasion in the playoffs, see him rise to the occasion when he was hurt at the end of the season just to grit it out and do whatever he needed for the team, I really loved seeing that of his. And right. we know, again, that, that interception at the end of the game, you know he would – Love to have that back. Right. But overall, over the course of the season, really protected the ball mm-hmm. well. and Incredible year. Yeah, I mean, just his ability to extend plays and scramble, I thought it was mm-hmm. really great. Um, of course, Mike, 147 yards receiving, and that's even with a couple drops that, again, I know he'd love to have back yeah, in or not typical for him. Um, fourth career 100-yard passing, 100-yard receiving game in the postseason, and a new postseason career high in yards, which, again, for Mike, what? saying that, yeah. saying something. Um Guy, his back-to-back plays at the 27-yard catch and the 31-yard catch back-to-back that got you down to the one, and it was just such an acrobatic, yeah. incredible. Yeah. That was just like peak Mike <laughs> Evans. Mike vintage, yeah. And I loved that. Again, he'd already had a drop, and to know that then he – anytime Mike has a play that isn't characteristic of him, he is going to come back and redeem it with something even bigger and better, and what that says about his mentality and everything is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Kate Otten, love to watch the growth he's had this year. I, I love the one drive that we might as well just called the Kate Otten drive. Yeah, he was just the Kate Otten I show. felt like it yes. was just Canalis radioing to Baker, like, throw it to Kate. <laughs> like, that was just, like, the whole Kate is your drive. And, um, and then also, of course, his touchdown in the second quarter. It's been really cool to see him get some credit for what he's done for this offense, that he's done a lot of the things that don't always show up in the stat sheet. He's playing dang near every snap all right. season. Yeah, um, I've loved seeing that now in some of these recent games, he's also gotten some of the catches and yards and mm-hmm. stuff in the, in the postseason to see the growth in his second year and that he is the guy you can call upon in the big moments. Right. Um, well, and I love it too because I don't think it's just – a lot of times with tight ends it's – Oh, it's like the the chip and release routes or the little stuff over the middle of the field, the crosser, things like that. But it's like, I feel like the game against the Lions, he really showcased what he's able to do. I mean, the catch he made along the boundary where he just did the little toe drag, got both feet down. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is extremely hard to do. And not only that, but his, the out and up play, I think both of those were over like 20 yard gains that were kind of pushed the Bucks down and then they were able to score. Um, But I think it really just showcased his ability is kind of that that hybrid playmaker mm-hmm. and the multifaceted tight end for this team and what he's potentially able to do, and not just from like a route running standpoint, but just the precision, all of the above. I think that game was really big for him. I agree. And then yeah, I love you. You brought it up on defense. Jamel lights out game mm-hmm. before he got hurt. Um, Levante, of course, being Levante, now second only to Derek Brooks in postseason tackles in franchise history. And what's crazy is I think he's 19 short of Derek Brooks. Wow. So 
if Levante is back next year, which of course I'm sure everyone would love for him right. to be, you make a couple. That that to me sounds like Noah and Levante. That sounds like about two playoff games, and he right. could do that very easily. Oh yeah. I mean, heck, he could probably do it in one, but most likely <laughs> in two right. games. And I just think that would be incredible because again, anytime you are catching Derek Brooks in in Bucks franchise records, that yeah. is saying something. Rare error. Um, and then, yeah, I love this. He's the first buck with 10-plus tackles and a sack in a single postseason game. Just still, even at this point in his career, putting up numbers that no one's done before at mm -hmm. any age, at any point. And it makes me really happy for him that this year he was still playing at just the incredibly high level. And we saw, don't you dare throw a screen while Levante is out there. Oh, he's yeah. Gonna, he's going to sniff it the out. screen sniffer. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, so we've talked a little bit about it, but what are some of the big overall season takeaways mm -hmm. for you that, that stands out now that we've had a second to kind of step back and evaluate mm -hmm. it? I think one of the biggest things for me, and kind of like we touched on earlier, but just the ability to persevere through adversity. And when their backs were against the wall, four and seven – not much was expected, and then you end up making it to the divisional round. And I think for specifically offensively, it was like we had kind of echoed throughout these these Tampa 2s this year, but just Dave Canales, his mindset to not sacrifice the future for the now. Mm -hmm. You know, when the run game wasn't quite working, the Bucks' ability to adjust. Yep. And, okay, when you weren't getting those – five, six, seven-yard runs, you were man manufacturing it. You were finding ways to get guys in space, whether it was the screens, whether it was the empty packages, whether it was we're shot out of the backfield, all of these things to get him in space and to get that working to where you could get the inside zone, the counteraction, all of those things and the play action to kind of kickstart that offense. And then because they were able to do that, then you started to see the run game really take off. And even though – the stats may not show it or where the Bucks' rush offense ended up ranking. Like, this team showed balance. And a lot of times that run game, Rashad White became a focal point of this offense. And I think a lot of it is just also the, the grit and the high effort that B Baker Mayfield showed. Um, and I, even during the broadcast, I loved, you know, they were saying a lot of his, like, previous stats and the career highs and stuff that he hit this year. But also, I did not realize that he was the first – walk on to win the Heisman yeah ever yeah and I thought that was incredible but even just that I mean you have seen Baker Mayfield rise and defy the odds at every single turn and this year he did it threefold mm -hmm. you know for this team um and then defensively I think this team kind of just continued with what they do best in stopping the run you know mm -hmm. they finished um, I think going into the divisional round they were fifth and run defense um just kind of continuing to build that stone wall, making teams become one-dimensional um, was big. And then just all of the guys stepping up, whether it was veterans, young guys. I mean, Kalijah Kansi, Yaya Diaby, um, incredible seasons. Antoine Winfield Jr., first-team All-Pro, just playing like his hair is on fire. Um, and just, you know, seeing just that, that camaraderie with the guys. And then even Levante David just playing like the ageless wonder that he is. Um, sideline to sideline, just his his leverage, the pursuit, his tackling ability, I think was one of those things that even though he doesn't really get a lot of times the recognition that he deserves, um, I mean, this is a Hall of Fame caliber player, and whether or not, you know, the bus happens or whatever, like, I just feel like you're watching Bucks history happen. Yeah. So that was in the same with, with Mike Evans. So that, that was exciting this year. I agree. I think that one of my big takeaways is just how amazing it is that this team found a way after going all in for a Super Bowl, where typically 
if you're going to do something like that, it means there's going to be right. a bit of a crash and burn later. Well, and just the cap situation because was, of the cap situation. Yes, That's how it works. Of if you get rid of either a ton of draft picks or a ton of money or a ton of whatever, typically teams are going to end up having that to rebuild. bottom out. Right. And I lo- I remember when Jason Light kept talking about we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. Yeah. yeah. And I think I heard a lot of people being like, yeah, okay, call it whatever you want. But it's like, no, sure. they, they really did. Right. That's exactly what happened. And what a privilege to get to watch a team win a Super Bowl, go all in where you know they yeah. do that all over again, and then to not have to go through a one, two, three, four win kind of season right. after that to still be competing, to be winning your division, mm-hmm. making the playoffs with, and I've, I've heard people compare it to time, fighting with one arm tied behind your back when you have 80 million in dead cap space. Yes. Yeah. To not have to bottom out with that mm-hmm. speaks so highly of the front office and this right. coaching staff and the players and what everybody has done. And to go against the odds, right? When everyone's picking you, you know, 31st in the league and, right. and things like that. that we were going to win three games. Yeah, and I just, I love Excuse that me? this team was like, <laughs> yep, nope, we yeah. know what we have here. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to listen to any of that. Right. We're not going to let that influence us. Um, and it really did seem to influence this underdog chip on the shoulder mentality yes. moving forward and thought that was really great. And yeah, just Coach Canales in his first year as a coordinator, I loved watching him not not give up on what he knew he needed to do and his plan and who he was right. and why they brought him in here. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows your first time doing a new job, it can be easy to lose your confidence or get influenced by what you think is, you know, what other people are wanting you to do. And I think it was so great to see him be like, no, this is what I believe in. And even though it's not working right away, we're sticking with it. And we saw that payout. Mm -hmm. We saw the buy-in of the team, which speaks to his leadership abilities of getting them to not give up on it Mm -hmm. either. Um, And just to see the growth in the offense. And I thought this was really interesting. So, I looked at Rashad's stats in particular, September and October, and then November, December, and to kind of see what they looked like. Mm -hmm. So September and October were almost identical to each other. 48 and 44 carries, 150 and 155 yards. Longest run was 13 and 15 yards. So those are your September and October stats. November, December, 64 and 97 carries, 254 and 356 yards, and longest runs of 38 and 30. Hmm. And I'm like, man, what a example of first half versus second, second half. Yeah. And what this says about what this offense figured out mm-hmm. when it came to the run game, the offensive line, building their chemistry, right. getting to know each other. Um, I just I really thought that was an exciting takeaway for me to be able to so clearly mm-hmm. see the growth in that area. Right. Um, so speaking of that. How about we go with an offensive MVP? Who would you pick for the I year? I am going to go – this may be the obvious one, but I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. Hey, you know um, what? <laughs> Why not? You know, I just can't say enough about the year that he's had, and not even just from a production on the field route where he showed himself to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, but also just the intangibles. I mean, this was a guy that galvanized that locker room. The team rallied around him. He has those that leadership style that commands attention, and people listen. Um, and I think he was exactly what this team needed yep. um, to have success on offense. And I loved, so this year, he had career highs, and games started with 17, completion percentage, 64.3%, passing yards, 4,044, and touchdown passes with 28 
So all those are career all highs. All those are career highs for Baker Mayfield in 2023 with the Bucks, And I think him just having that stability, he wasn't always put in the best position to have success. They maximized his skill set. But also just the underrated arm talent that mm-hmm. he has. I'm just so surprised year in and year out how that's still a thing that seems to be invariably linked to him. But you saw him not only just making the the intermediate passes, but also just driving the ball down the field. I mean, he made some highlight reel incredible throws, whether it was down the field to Trey Palmer, to Mike Evans. Um, and then also just the game. I mean, I think probably what sums it up better than anything was just the job that he did against the Packers where he had – the perfect QBR going into a hostile environment that it is not easy to play in that historical place at Lambeau Field, um, and how he was just able to carve up their defense, mm-hmm. exploited the zone with the seam beaters, um, just his understanding of leverage, of zone, climbing up in the pocket, the anticipation, um, the poise that he had. And I think we've just kind of seen that play out throughout the season or just the even the high effort when he was dealing with the ankle, the ribs injuries, still making those gutsy, gritty runs when the Bucks needed a third down. Um, yep. He put it all out on the field this year, um, and I think that's something that was definitely exciting to see and was just what a breath of fresh air I think that he was for this team. I totally agree. I think what really impressed me about him were the two different parts that you mentioned of his – leadership and leadership mm-hmm. in a way that was um, a man of the people. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, Tristan yeah. Wirfs talked about that of like, Ooh, yeah. look, I loved Tom Brady. I wasn't going to get a beer with Tom Brady. <laughs> Brady yeah. probably wouldn't even look at a beer for fear of what it might do health wise. I yes. don't know. But he was saying, I'm, I, Baker's our guy. Like he oh, comes yeah, yeah. to all of our stuff. He hangs out with oh, us. Yeah. I saw Meal you. Know, room conversation. Everything. Every yeah. Day. Just yeah. one of a man of the people, which I thought was great. And then also, yeah, the grit and determination that makes everybody else want to play hard too. If, if you're quarterback is putting his right. body on the line throwing him he's trying to throw a stiff arm he's trying to scramble he's trying to elude that he is going to do everything possible even when he's hurt he's got banged up ribs and a sprained ankle or whatever it was yeah and he is scrambling to make it happen on yes. third down that inspires the whole team mm-hmm. and I really was impressed with his ability to extend plays in his elusiveness there were so many times this season that I thought he was down sure he was, I thought yes. he was sacked it was over and then he just pops out of nowhere mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's that's a skill that I don't think I realized he had. Yeah. Um, my MVP I chose was Rashad. Um, okay. I felt like the the fact that he did so much. <laughs> Same page. Yeah, I knew. He's, I, one, of, he's one of my other ones. Yeah. I figured that it was either going to be Baker or Rashad at this point, and I felt like Rashad. The fact that he just did whatever ended up being asked of him that, you know, when the run game wasn't working, all right, great, he's in the pass game. And both of those things he was doing also opened it up for a lot of other people on Mm -hmm. the team. That when he was able to be a threat in those dump-offs, that helps Mike and Chris, you know. And so I felt like what he was able to bring early in the season with the pass game and later in the season with both the pass and the run game set a lot of other people up for success. So that was why I chose him for my sort of MVP there. I thought this was really interesting. I looked up Yak um, yards for the whole league of individual mm-hmm. players. He ranked seventh in receiving Yak as a running back. Wow. And there's only one running back ahead of him. The other people on the list ahead of him are guys like CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, they're all wide Expected, receivers. Yeah. Right. It Expected. makes sense that Rashad was seventh. 
I thought that was so that, yeah. incredible. Um, so, yeah, that was my choice for that. So how about defensive MVP? I have a, a well, feeling that... Well, I went with the obvious yes, choice. Obviously. I went with Mr. Antoine Winfield Jr. Yep. Um, and I just, I have to read out some of these stats because I know stats, blah, but, I mean, these are these are telling. They're important. But, <laughs> so, first team all pro, not a pro bowler, mm -hmm. but first team all pro. Again, telling. Yep, we're all but fine. We're fine. We're not so better. At the time, yeah, so at the time of the announcement... He had amassed 122 tackles, six for loss, 12 passes defensed, eight quarterback hits, six sacks, six forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, and three interceptions. My gosh. Mm -hmm. He played – he was the best safety in the NFL this season, and it was not even close. Yep. Um, but he – so he finished the 2023 year with a share of the league lead in both forced fumbles and – fumble recoveries, joining Hassan Reddick as the only players to accomplish that feat, feat since at least 2000. And then among defensive backs, he finished first in sacks, first in forced fumbles, first in fumble recoveries, tied for third in takeaways, and third in quarterback hits. Jeez. Yeah, that's I amazing. I mean, a guy that just played absolutely out of his mind, just his pursuit to the ball. I mean, he's a guy that just consistently was around – the ball every single game. And I mean, we would just laugh up in the press box because it's like every five seconds. Antoine, oh, Antoine Winfo Jr. Jr. Um, but he just, I mean, whether it was that play he made at the goal line to knock the ball out to save, prevent that touchdown. Um, I mean, just a guy that absolutely wrecked havoc and was a person that offensive coordinators had to game plan around. Oh, they yeah. did not want to throw to his side. They schemed protections around him. And that's just telling and just a testament to his ability, whether it's him in the post, whether it's him around the line of scrimmage, making tackles, disrupting the run, getting to the quarterback um, with his closing burst, just a guy that is able to do it all. But I think a lot of times in the NFL that can get, you know, when you say hybrid, I think it's it's changed a lot because nowadays that isn't a that isn't a knock. Now it's okay, he does all of these things, but he does them all at an elite high level. Yep. Um so just absolutely historical year from him. Can't say enough about what Antoine Winfield Jr. did did this year. It's funny because I obviously knew you would choose him, and so I thought, yes. well, should I pick someone else? And then I just thought, nope, he's it. He he like I mean, of course, Levante played incredible. We had plenty of guys on defense play really well. Right. But I felt like it would just be because we're trying to come up with different answers. I thought, no, like right. well, he's it. God, I mean, his instincts. I. Man, yeah, just they're incredible. constantly around the ball. I think what I'll say about him that I thought was really cool that I learned this year, I, I talked to some of the coaches about him and what stands out to them about mm -hmm. him, and they said the way he practices is so unique that they said, you know, a big issue nowadays because of just all the safety rules that right. we're big fans of um, in practice, but <laughs> the, the tackling sometimes struggles in the NFL, that yes. you've seen yeah. that that is harder now that guys can't fully practice it as much and they talked about how Antoine is so intentional with even though he's not going to be able to hit everybody he always breaks down comes in exactly technically how you would there's no just kind of like we're just going to pretend kind of right. two-hand touch over yeah. here he approaches exactly as if he's about to tackle right and then just pulls up in that moment and he was almost always one of the last people off the field he was doing jugs work or other things like he yeah. was always doing extra stuff and they said that they could tell how intentional he was about, I will practice the way I want to play. Yeah. That I do not take any of this lightly. I don't take any plays off in practice. Um, and I just thought that was mm -hmm. pretty incredible. And yeah. then, you know, even down to little things, like he comes out to practice barefoot first. 
one with the grass. One with I the grass. I don't, one with the earth. And you know, I'm like, you know what? I genuinely don't. Whatever I don't works. Understand. I think you, you know? and I should start doing it. Obviously, it works. Yeah. All of us should start just walking outside barefoot. Then it's like the, 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 the touching of the feet, and then it's like the, the grass. This the is way. why I'm we're like, not as excellent as Antoine. Yeah, this is what we need what to do. Um, all right, so let's move on to most improved player this so, year. So to continue what you did earlier, I went with Rashad White. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just his – the – I really think throughout the season you saw him running harder. You saw the anticipation. You saw the vision, him locating the tight creases, him hitting the holes, um, whether it was between the tackles or even just, like you said, gaining the yak, quickly accelerating, getting north in the open field, making guys miss, gaining those additional yards that the Bucks needed to kind of elevate that offense, gain the momentum – um, but just what what a season he had, whether it was from pass catching, rushing. Um, and again, I think he was 10, around 10 yards short of hitting 1,000 yards rushing. He finished with over 1,000 scrimmage guards. Um, but, I mean, you look at his numbers, and he ranked right up there with the best in the league, mm -hmm. um, especially for a dual threat back. So, I mean, coming in just what – just only in his second year. Um, and like coaches have kind of reiterated throughout the season, I think you really just saw – them get a good feel of the runs that he's best at and yep. just the ability that Harold Goodwin, Joe Gilbert, Skip Pete, all of these guys did in creating those those runs, scheming things up to give him and put him in the best position to have success on the field. I agree. Um, so that was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I love seeing how his pad level changed suddenly. Right. He was coming forward instead of backward yes. once he got hit, and he was being so much more decisive, it felt like, yeah. when he was hitting well, the holes. Well, just aggressive. Yes, exactly. You could tell – I feel like even just a confidence level of, like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I know where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, my choice, I went back and forth between Cody Mauk and Zion McCollum. I think I'm okay. ultimately going to go with Zion, but I just wanted to give Cody a shout-out because yes. I did see – just so much from him. The coaches all talked about that, that they really saw a lot of growth in him, which is exactly what you want from like a smaller school guy. Right. You know, it's probably going to be a bit of an adjustment, mm -hmm. but you want to see them stick with it, not lose their confidence. And that's exactly what he did. But Zion McCollum, I loved how, first of all, Kevin Ross, the cornerbacks coach called that shot before the season and said, Zion will be the most improved player this year. <laughs> like he said that in his media availability before the season ever yeah. started. And he was right. And Zion just, man, I mean, coach Bowles was like, I just got to get him on the field. Even if, Jamel and Carlton are mm -hmm. both healthy. There were a lot of times they were both injured, and Zion was always ready to answer that call. Right. But even when they were both healthy, Bowles was just like, man, I feel like I just I, I got to put him out yeah. there. And these last couple games to watch him be playing safety, corner, right. nickel, everything. like, And he just took it in stride as a young yeah. player who had not really been a starter in this league before, mm -hmm. was just like, whatever you need me to do, I'm here to do it. And he did it really well. Right. Um, and he had to face, you know, some of the top wide receivers this year. And he just yeah. did a really good job. So I thought that was great to see. Um, and Coach Bowles has said he might be the most athletic corner he's ever yeah. coached. That is a well, sentence. Just insane speed. Insane <laughs> speed at his size, his right. length, all of that. I feel like it's all up from here mm -hmm. for Zion. And his confidence is so different than it was last year that I'm really excited to see what next year will hold. Right. Um, and we will close with this. Rookie standout. Ooh, all I'm going to go with Yaya Diaby. Um, and again, just loved his his stats, but he ranked first in tackles for loss among rookies with 12 and third in sacks among rookies with 7.5. But just, man, what a season he had. Earned playing time as a starter opposite Shaq Barrett. Um, just his contributions on the field. Just power rusher, but just his 
ability, I think, really kind of just opened up things in pressure packages, in the twists and stunts with his short area burst. Um, but just he absolutely had an incredible season along with Kalijah Kansi. Um, and I think just kind of helped solidify that that front and kind of give people another piece in there, that rotational guy that can come in and immediately make an impact. Um, and I think we saw that week in and week out for him. Yeah, it's funny. We don't normally coordinate before this show. We just answer whatever we think our answers are. But this time we did coordinate on this question because we knew we would both be choosing either Yaya or Kalijah. And so it was like, you know what, let's just split it up because right. the two of them were such rookie standouts. It was yes. wonderful. And so you took Yaya. I'm taking Kalijah. I was so impressed that he missed a lot of time yes, early with he injury. Did. He missed basically yeah. all of training camp. He missed all, he played like, a, like 11 more, plays yeah. to start the first game and then missed a bunch of games then. Mm -hmm. That can kill a lot of rookies. You yeah. are starting out, you're trying to learn, you're trying to get a feel for the NFL and you miss all that really crucial time. That can be a mm -hmm. confidence killer. It can really affect how ready you are. And both times, so when he came, even just in those 11 plays after mm -hmm. missing training camp, he flashed. Immediately, there was no, it didn't seem like it took any time for him to get his feet wet, but, like yeah. he was ready to go, then missed more time, came back in, same thing, that it was like the injuries had just never mm -hmm. happened, and I had so much respect for that. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, he ends up with just, even just in these playoff games, so six total tackles, two tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks, and a pass defense in these two playoff games. Mm -hmm. That's not bad for a rookie in no, his first playoff experience. <laughs> no, so regular season... In just 14 games, 26 tackles, 10 for loss, 12 quarterback hits, four sacks, and a pass defense. So as Defensive Rookie of the Month, he got nominated for November, mm -hmm. which first buck to win it since, you know, Antoine. Yeah. Not too bad. Uh, just in November, he had the seven tackles for loss and two sacks. I loved seeing this, and there were even more than that maybe. I think we all knew he could have the pass rush ability. Right. Yeah. But what I think I heard from coaches that was so cool was how much he exceeded expectations in the run, run game. game. Mm -hmm. And as you, you brought up earlier, how much the run game is such a big part of our identity on this right. defense, which, A, it tells you how much they thought of his pass rush ability, that they would still bring him in when they thought they didn't know how good he'd be in run defense, mm -hmm. that they were like, it's, it's still worth a try because yeah. of what he can bring. But for them to be like, man, he, he was far from a liability, that he was doing great in mm -hmm. the run game. And how exciting that here you get this guy that you bring in for one reason and then you get this cherry on top of you're also great in the run yes, game. Yeah. And I just think that, again, for him watching some of his pass rush moves, watching his quickness, all of it, it's, it's going to be really fun moving mm -hmm. forward. And just the combination of he and Yaya, to me, it's this incredible feel good about the future right. vibe yeah that you have these two young hungry guys that are really good friends that help each other mm -hmm. such a tight-knit rookie group and I just have to imagine that coach Bowles is like man this is yes this is exciting yeah well just the infusion of speed you yes. know I think you saw that mm -hmm. from both of them just with Kalijah his quickness off the ball and then also with Yaya just the the lateral agility that he has that really I think you saw come out on the twist the stunts um, just whether he was looping inside. I mean, all of those different things that kind of opens up those exotic pressure packages that we know were a trademark of Todd Bowles. Um, and both of those guys just really set the tone, Yep, I think, this year. I agree. All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this first off-season edition of Tampa 2. We will be back for some of the sort of tent pole events yes. of the off-season and a few other times, so make sure you stay tuned for our next Tampa 2 right here.